Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 36 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and here with me is Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, how are you doing, man? Doing good, man. Been looking uh, looking forward to this one. So. Yeah, yeah. We've been talking about doing this for a couple months now, and the time is finally here. It's the Dynasty Startup Mock Draft Podcast. And joining us tonight, we brought in a guest to draft with us, and that is Brent Herzog, who is a host of the Exit Velocity Podcast. Brent, thanks for joining. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Should be exciting. Yeah, this should be a lot of fun. So, Brent, why don't you, I have subscribed to your podcast. I have not gotten to take time to listen to your podcast yet, but why don't you tell some of our listeners about your podcast? Yeah, certainly. So we release an episode every Sunday night. We talk about top 10 of the previous week and the upcoming week, what we expect from players to start guys, things like that. Our show is usually about an hour long. Uh, sometimes it's a little longer. Sometimes it's a little shorter, and we also do special episodes throughout the week every once in a while if we go to a baseball stadium and things like that. But yeah, we're starting to get more listeners and building the following, and it's exciting. That's awesome, man. Uh, question, are do you guys focus like, do you have a certain type of fantasy league you're, fo- you're, you're focused on, or are you kind of trying to keep it broad? Yeah, we actually have, uh, me and my co-host, Jordan Rarick, have a fantasy league that we talk about, but we like to focus on fantasy baseball over overall. And our main goal with the podcast is to get young people into baseball through fantasy baseball, because that's how I kind of fell in love with baseball was through fantasy baseball and the numbers. So that's kind of our goal. And yeah, we talk about our league a lot. It's a 12-team, head-to-head, four-keeper, uh, one minor league player that we carry over so it's pretty pretty basic but but that means you're talking about major leaguers and minor leaguers no hearing that yeah yeah we talk about minor leaguers Uh, we don't go super deep like the bottom of the barrel dynasty but we'll talk about usually like the top 100 players okay do you play any dynasty leagues yes i actually i'm in two dynasty leagues one's a 16 team uh one's a 14 team it's 20 minor leaguers and 30 roster spots that we carry over every year. Okay. So yeah, that's right in the ballpark of the leagues I play in, which means you'll be you're well versed with dynasties, startups and prospects going up to about 3 or 400 players. Yes, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, how we're going to do this, we talked about this before the show and I gave Brent the first option of the three of us for which pick he wanted, and he chose number one. Andrew is going to go two, and I'm going to go three. And we're not going to do this in snake format because we're not really drafting like we're drafting an actual team. We're more drafting by um, basically if we were in the spot, who's the best player available. We're not like if I or Andrew was to draft 10 outfielders in no other position – that's okay because we're more talking about who we would take if we were starting up and giving no consideration to who else is who else we've drafted so far. And the other thing I wanted to mention, we're doing this by standard five by five categories with batting average, wins, and all that stuff. So before we get and, started, uh, we weekly, right? 
Yes, we're doing if weekly did, leagues. Yes. If you, did, if you didn't say that, I, you might have said it. Uh, I did not. I'm glad you brought con- that up because just that's confirming. the Otani factor. Yes. <laughs> Which, just confirming it. At the very end of this, I hope I remember to ask because I do want to know where you guys would take Otani on this list if it was a daily league. Mm-hmm. Um, a last question I wanted to ask each of you guys really before we get going is startup dynasty strategies and how you kind of lean and what you are, what's your goal coming into a startup, startup dynasty, especially in the, the, here, here in these early rounds, Brent, I know Andrew and I, we've been doing podcasts together. I know better what his strategies are. I have no idea where you're coming into this with. So why don't you share with us? What's your strategy going into a draft like this? Yeah, uh, in a dynasty format, my strategy going in is I like to get guys under 25 that play rare positions. So right now I feel like second base is the most shallow position. But mm-hmm. if there's somebody available in like the outfield or first base, that's better. I'll take them. But I feel like I go by age, like under 25 usually, and then by the shallowest position. Okay. So you typically aim for the youngsters. You know, there I, I see a lot of guys do that nowadays. And then there are some that just decide, you know what, shoot, I'm going to go for it here in the first couple of years. And have you ever tried that strategy? Yeah, actually, usually that's what I do. I usually take a young stud first and then I'll start taking the more uh, veterans that produce every year. So your Mookie bets and things like that, if they're still available later on, or even like Trevor Story, guys, guys that might be available in the second round, depending on who guys are taking early, if they're going real crazy and taking like Fernando Tatis and things like that. Okay, so you kind of adjust depending on what's going on around you with that stuff then. Okay, what about you, Andrew? Why don't you talk about your strategy going in, especially here in the early rounds? Um, I just pretty much focus on best available player, no matter what, um, and I tend to side with youth. So if it's close... A lot of times I'm I'm gonna most of the time I'm gonna take the younger guy. So but best available player, I don't I don't really care about positions in a long term league just because guys move around and change positions and I feel like if you start telling yourself, Oh, I'm I've got a third baseman, now I need to t- take a shortstop or a second baseman or whatever, then before you know it, they're changing positions. And it just all gets jumbled, you know, especially when you're talking about prospects. I just, I like yeah. to just go with the best player. And however that falls, you know, if, if I'm in the draft and the best player in the first three rounds and my spot is an outfielder, I'm starting with three outfielders. You know, it's just, that's just kind of like how I like to do it. So, yeah. And, one thing, a couple other things I'll add. I'm almost, it, it's all, I would say it's rare that I would actually take a pitcher, that a pitcher makes it to me because I downgrade pitchers with start, start up dynasties. I just, it's not my strategy in terms of it's, those are more volatile and can lose value quicker as compared to a lot of bats. Um, I agree with, about the taking the young bats, I'm usually going to lean that direction and rank heavier on it. But that doesn't mean that that's the be-all, end-all. Even as we talked about with the Baseball 365 Startup Dynasty I did in February, 
I went with youth with my first three picks, four picks. And Whit Merrifield, I thought, sat out there way too long. And I took him even though he did not line up with the rest of my team. And hoping and trusting my ability to be able to trade him eventually and get full value. And I felt confident enough that I could, he would hold value at least throughout the year for me to be able to move him. And thankfully, that's what happened. So I think I'm kind of on the line there. But what about pitching with you guys? Brent, are, are, how, how do you feel in terms of what's your strategy with a dynasty startup with pitching? Yeah, pitching I always take late. Like probably, depending who's there, but fourth round and later for sure for pitching. Just like you said, because they're injury prone. Uh, they get their Tommy John surgery. That's a year and a half right there. So I usually focus on pitching later on in the draft if it's dynasty. Andrew? Yeah, same thing. I, I think in the last two startups, I've done one in 2018 and one in 2019. I think the earliest starting pitcher I've taken in either one was like round 14. I take no pitchers. I just take all bats. <laughs> and I just look at it like I will trade my excess bats for the pitching that I need. Yeah. Some pe- I, I get that that's extreme and not it's not for everybody, but I just, when I'm building a team, unless there's somebody that jumps out to me, like in, in one I did this year, I took a role this Chapman. He's obviously not a starter, but I took him in round nine. It was a 20-teamer just because it, it just felt like it was too late, kind of like what Justin said. I wound up, wound up trading him. But um, if something like that happens where I'm just like, this guy should not still be here, I'll do it. But other than that, I'm just focused on bats because their value is going to maintain longer than the pitcher's. In every situation. So, I mean, it's just, well, no, not every situation, but in more situations than not. So, you know, it's a net win if you just take the bats. So that's just what I do. I agree. Okay. Well, we're going to get this thing started then. And like I said, we're going to start off with Brent and we're going to just go one, two, three, Brent, Andrew, and then me. But we're going to stop and talk about all these guys as we go. So, Brent, with that first pick, who are you taking in the startup dynasty? With the first overall pick, I would take Ronald Acuna Jr., 21 years old, from the Atlanta Braves. Okay. That's uh, definitely not something that everybody would go for, but I know that there's more and more groundswell going for that. Andrew, what do you think? In terms of this debate, um, I think we should wait to see who I take it to, and then we'll have the debate. Okay, how about that? In that case, let's just okay go on and say number two, and then we'll we'll. I mean, it's we'll it's, go into it, that. It's pretty clear. So i I was wondering because I had no idea who Brent was going to take, um, but two. It's Mike Trout. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, pretty, uh, pretty clear. And I think that right now we can discuss, you know, those yes. two versus each other because it's 
I've said in previous podcasts, we are going to get to a point where Acuna is the next one, one in dynasty. And I don't feel like everybody's there. Like, I don't think everybody's comfortable with it yet. And that's totally fine. If I was picking one, I would have done what Brent did. But, But again, like I still get it. I mean, uh, Trout's the best player on the planet. I think we can all agree with that. Yep. But it's a pretty big age difference. And, yeah, it, it's tough. It's, I think, for the next year, about, you know, roughly, starting now for about a year, it's going to be a pretty regular debate the way this is trending. But I think it's going to take a while for everybody to get comfortable with it. Yeah. And that's okay. But I think we're all in agreement here, though. Go ahead, Brent. Yeah, and I think what, honestly, what helped Acuna this year is Freddie Freeman having 100 RBIs and Josh Donaldson having his best year since he was with the Toronto Blue Jays. So I think that's going to boost his value for all the startups next year, and he probably will go number one or number two if Trout gets taken first. Yeah, I think he's... I shouldn't say he's clearly a top two guy because I think number three, I'm just going to throw him in here and then we're going to drag him into this conversation. I'm taking Christian Yelich, and I do think there are some people that would probably have Acuna third and have Yelich at number at number two. But I, I'm with you guys on Acuna being the number one guy here, and I think it, I think we were saying that this time's coming. I had a startup dynasty in February that we did the lottery draft where you actually we did a lottery to see who get a, got a pick what spot in the draft they got and i i drew first so i chose the third spot and it was with the hopes that trout and mookie Betts would go one and two and i would get a cunha three because i just felt like this was coming andrew and i both were kind of were saying that before the year and it looks like it's getting here i think even quicker than we were thinking yeah, one, so you, one, one thing I think that does need to be mentioned, though, is Mike Trout is still a better bat than Acuna right now. Yes. Like, it's, we're not at that point where he's completely been passed, and we know that. I mean, I don't know if I can speak for Brent, but I know just me and Justin have had this conversation. It's, it's just one of those things that you're looking at a – 21 year old who I look today last calendar year has 36 stolen bases. Mike Trout has 13. I mean, that's a big difference, you know? Yeah. And the the floor with Trout is always going to be there. And I still would expect, you know, if, if I was doing a startup with a bunch of random people right now, I would still expect 70 80 percent of them to take mike trout agreed but i'm just in that group that i feel like is still the minority and obviously you guys are too so (laughs) we're on the same page but i i feel like there's a lot of people that aren't quite there yet you know it's just it's a tough transition trout's been the top dog for a long time yeah (laughs) so brent yeah my thing Go ahead. 
Or I was going to say, uh, did you guys see Christian Yelich's power coming like this? Because I know in Miami, I mean, he would hit between 20 and 25 home runs. I didn't, I never, I was never a Christian Yelich believer, but I never saw his power coming. I don't know if you guys saw it coming. No, I'm not, not to this level. I mean, I think that Miller Parks helped it a lot, but I mean, it, you can't account that for all of it, but no. yeah, it's just, it's insane. I mean, I, uh, I wouldn't argue too much if, if somebody bumped Yelich ahead of either one of these guys, it wouldn't be for no. me, but, um, I think there's going to be some redraft leagues next year where Yelich goes number one. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that. And to answer your original question, I was a big, I was, when he went to Milwaukee, I thought, okay, this might get his home runs into the middle, uh, maybe upper 20s in the home runs. A couple factors. Miller Park's just such a great place to hit in. We also un- ju- went right into the juice ball era right then when he came over. I think that's when it seems like the ball got more lively. And even this offseason, as we were talking redrafts and doing these rankings in February and March, I was screaming that Yelich was going to take a big step back and be a go back into the low to mid twenties in the home run department because of that thirty five percent home run to fly ball rate last year. Somehow he's actually hit it's still over thirty percent at thirty three point three right now. But what's impressive to me when I look at what he's doing now and why I'm for starters the juice ball ever the ball's just flying out, but his skills, he's changed his swing to where he's putting the ball in the air 37% of the time this year as compared to being in the low to mid-20s over the previous few seasons. And his ground ball rate, which has always been up over 50%, it's down to 41.9% this year. So he's getting the ball in the air more, which is making me believe more in the power. And even if they made changes with this ball and took it back, I still think he would be a higher caliber home run hitter because... He's just elevating it more. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, and he's also in that hitter-friendly NL Central, too. Wrigley Field, yes. Great American. I assume I assume you guys both had Trout, too. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, yeah. Trout was two for me. And did you guys have Yelich three? Where did you, or should, uh, the question is, where did you have Yelich, Brent? Uh, I actually had him at five. Okay, that's all I need for now. I'm just, well, I'll be curious to hear who all you had ahead of him then. And Andrew, where'd you have Yelich? I'll say this just because you uh, announced who you had third. I think that I had him third. Okay. But I think that you can go down to about 10. And if like I'm looking at the guy Throwing that I had, I'm looking at the guy that I have ten right now. If you took him three, I wouldn't argue it. Mm-hmm. So I think that three to ten. I mean, if you had Yelich at ten, I might call you a little nuts. But <laughs> other than that, I think this order of these next seven eight guys is pretty fluid. I expect us all to have them in slightly different orders. Yeah. So. I think Yelich for me, I th- he's pretty clearly ahead of everybody for me. I'm still going to agree with you that I wouldn't beat anybody up if they had Yelich a couple spots down. But to me, I don't. I didn't really hesitate on it. 
there's guys behind him that definitely could go up, but now we're going at He's been doing this for a long enough of a stretch and seeing the swing change. I think I'm on board with the LHB and the three and yeah. Uh, let me, I want to circle one last question to Brent because Andrew, you and I have already talked about this. What about in a 2020 redraft? Who is your number one overall player? Acuna. Okay. So you're going yep. Acuna even in redraft. And I'm going to have to think about this. The last time we talked about it, I said it was still Trout for me. I'm going to have to give that some thought. I think I'm still leaning Trout for the safety, but it's getting tempting. Andrew, do you are you changing your tone at all, or are you still Trout? Trout one in redraft. Yeah. I, I think for the safety, I think I'm but, with you, but I, mean, I yeah, get it. The, I mean, yeah, it's it's get it's getting closer for sure. That it's, I've I've joked in the past, you know, every year I I've made this joke. It's like the the revolving door of the number two guy, and now we have a number two and a number three guy that. I think are closer than anyone has been in the last handful of years to, you know, taking over the top spot. I still would take trout one in a redraft, but I mean, I I'm willing to listen to somebody taking Acuna or Yelich and, and in previous years, to be honest, I, I wasn't willing to listen. So I was about to yeah. say the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, the stolen bags with Acuna, that's what really attracts me to him because that's such yep. a rare stat to get now. Yeah, yeah, he might finish with 35, 40 steals along with 40-plus yeah. runs. I tell you, I, I think he's going 40, 40. I, I really I really do. <laughs> I really do. I think he's going to do it. He 35 and 29 as of tonight. He stole his 29th base. It's It just seems like every day it's something. It's just... Mm-hmm. It's bonkers. Kid's special. Yeah. Uh, okay, Brent. Well, you got the fourth overall pick. You are on the clock. Who is your pick? At fourth overall, I'm going to take Cody Bellinger with the L.A. Dodgers. Okay. 24-year-old Cody Bellinger, who's having a fantastic season. Andrew, on your ranks, where do you have Bellinger? I had Bellinger at eight. Okay. And... Like you said, we're kind of you could throw them all in a hat and you wouldn't really yeah. blink, and I do agree with that. Yeah, I, got Be- I, it, I, I mean, Brett said Yelich was five or whatever, so he obviously had Bellinger three, and I, I have no issue with it. No, mm-hmm. he's had a heck of a year. I, and by the way, I had him at seven, but again, I don't. That's a fine pick. It's really impressive. Well, actually, no. Instead of me talking, Brent, you're the one that took him. Why is he your number? Th- why is he your number four? Yeah, the age at twenty three, and actually, if you line him and Trout up to, next to each other right now, Bellinger actually has one more run score. Or Trout has one more run scored. They both have forty home runs. Both have ninety three RBIs. Both have ten stolen bags. Trout bats only twenty points higher, and uh, Bellinger has a higher OPS. What's- so I mean, they're pretty similar, but. Uh, I think for future, because Tui also has first base and outfield eligibility, and first base is becoming pretty shallow now. It is a tougher position to fill. Um, what really impresses me about Bellinger is that drop in this K rate this year. 
It's, mm-hmm. uh, he's changed. He's adjusted this year. He's walking a lot more and he's striking out on, I mean, if you compare it to 2017, he's striking out 10% less dropping that from all the way from 26.6% of the time in those 132 games in 2017, all the way down to 16% this year. He's made adjustments. I think he's hitting lefties better. I'm trying to pull this up right now. He's just playing better. He's he, what Andrew why don't you talk. What are your thoughts on Bellinger? No, he's he's a stud. I mean, there's uh there's really no denying that. I I think this is and I always try and think about this. It's easy to get caught up in what is happening right this minute and of the next handful of guys that will probably be picked. He is having the best season. That going forward, I feel like can go back and forth between these guys. So while Bellinger is the best right now, I think the reason I have him at eight is because I think this is all on peak Bellinger. And I expect Mm -hmm. the next two to three seasons to maybe be not quite this good. Mm-hmm. But of course, they're still going to be great. I mean, I have him, like I said, in the middle of the first round, and have no issue with him going higher than that. Track record. If he does this for another year or two, he's probably going to keep. Or if he's doing this for another year, performing at this level, I'm. He may be moving himself up into that two or three slot for you, at that point, yeah. possibly. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, Andrew, you got the number five pick. Who do you got? I'm going to shock everybody with this one. Vlad Jr. I thought you said five. you were going to shock us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Vladdy Jr. Okay, well. Qu- real quick, go, real go, quick. Go did you it. did you say where you had Bellinger? I did. I said I had him at seven, so we were seven, pretty okay. close. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Vlad. Um, Hasn't had quite the season I'd hoped. Has really come on since the break, hitting about, I think it's like 335 since the break. On base, close to 400. I mean, he's coming around. I was looking the other day at Miguel Cabrera's rookie season, which is, you know, pretty much what I think Vlad is going to become, is basically that type of player. And, um, And they're right around the same amount of plate appearances from, um, you know, when Miggy was 20, his, he only played like 81 games. It's about what Vlad has played now. It's a little, Vlad's played a little bit more, but the numbers are pretty close. I mean, they're right in line and everything with Vlad is trending up. I think he's a future triple crown winner. I mean, I just, it's all there. He's he's awesome. I I just can't pass him up, man. I I was hesitant to put him even where I put him, but I feel like I have to, you know, it'd be slightly insane to take him ahead of Yelich right now. I yes, think, but, you'd want but, to, and I think I want to also. I tell you, man, it's it's coming. That's the thing. A lot of it, and like we say this a lot, a lot of it is projection. It's not just like what is happening right this minute, you know, and I'm telling you, like, I want to own this guy when he's winning MVPs and triple crown. Like, I just want to own him and I'm going to like, that's just, 
So, and if if he fail, if it doesn't work out, you know, down the down the road and all that, I'll eat it. Like that's fine. I'll I'll be all right, you know. But there's just no way that I'm I'm not going to be a part of his success. It just isn't going to happen. So you've got your shares of him, don't you? Have two yeah. two dynasty shares and yeah. four dynasty leagues, right? Am I yeah. counting that right? Yeah. And Brent, I've followed Andrew on the. Vlad Jr. train. He got me on board. I sh- he put he listening to him the last year or two. I've jumped on board with him, and I had Vlad at four on my list too. And Andrew, I'm assuming he was four on yours. That means correct? yeah, he was four. Yeah. So Brent, you're different. Be the be the yeah. voice of be the voice <laughs> <That's> of reason. <laughs> Where was Vlad Jr. in your rankings? Uh, he was actually 14th. I had him. Hey. I know there's a behind a paywall subscription service that has him 13 right now. That yeah. is somebody Andrew and I both respect. So yeah. we're not we're not going to beat you up for that. There's another another uh, very good player that I follow. He has him eight. So yeah, it's I get it. A lot of it is comfort. How comfortable you are with these guys too. You know, it's we just all have our guy and he's mine. But it's totally fine if, you, if he's not everyone's you know i get it i mean it's yeah. more of, go ahead brent yeah and i was gonna say and he plays in the american league too which i feel like helps him he's gonna play third base and he's also gonna get a chance to dh so i think you're gonna get 155 plus games out of him every year too so that's gonna definitely help yep yeah okay well i guess that puts me up next and i will say right now i am cringing as i'm about to make this pick because this draft has not gone the way i would want it to go i just this makes me nervous but my next pick i mean i'm probably overstating this it's mookie betts at number five who's had a a down are we at six yeah we're at six and i'm taking mookie betts at number six right now um mookie's had a down year but he's still a heck of a player and really if you look at the underlying stance, it really doesn't look like he's doing much worse. He's striking out uh, and walking. Actually, he looks like he's got the exact same amount of walks and strikeouts this year. 20 home runs, 12 stolen bases, still hitting for a good average. It's just, I think he's had a little bit of down luck. Home runs, the fly ball is down this year, even though he's hitting the ball in the air at the exact same rate. He's a stud. I do get a little nervous of taking these guys at this point that are 26, 27 this early, because once Mookie Betts's speed goes down a bit, I think the, the whole value of the player could go, but he's still a stud and I'd be taking them here. All right, Brent, where do you have Give, Mookie Betts on your uh, list? Uh, I got Mookie at 10. Like you said too, he is, a, he's a stud. I mean, he's going to score 120 runs every year i think if he would actually move down in the order like if he'd bat three or four which i think he could you're talking probably 100 plus rbi potential as well every year but yeah i mean he's still a stud yep and he even while i guess he was hitting the middle lineup a few years ago wasn't he in like 2016 2017 when he did hit 100 rbi yeah i think he's bat second and third that year yeah okay so you had him at 10 andrew where'd you have him at uh, I had Mookie at seven. Okay. So, and we were pretty I, close. with Mookie, 
I mean, he's awesome. Obviously, no denying that. My only concern with him is I think that he's the type of player where his speed and his power, I feel like it could go together. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're looking at somebody who will hit. He's going to hit for a high average and, you know, hit at the top of Boston's lineup, which will always produce counting stats and stuff like that. But I think there could be a point in the not real distant future, to be honest, with him being in his mid to late 20s, where it the power and the speed dip. And then it's a lot less attractive. You know, yeah. we've seen it with other guys like Jose Altuve, stuff like that, you know, and I, I could just see that happening with Mookie. But that said, in the now, like right now, you could argue he's a top three or four player. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I feel like having him at seven is about the right spot, at least for me. Yeah, we're not blinking if he wins the AL MVP next year. Not blinking. Right. right. And. But the comp I think of, because I owned him during his MVP season six, seven years ago, is Andrew McCutcheon. It's exactly, McCutcheon. Yeah, it's exactly what I was going to say, too. 30-30, he had a 30-30 season, and you know the speed started dipping down a little bit, the power started dipping down, and next thing you know, he, you instead of having a 25-25 or 30-30 guy, you were more getting a low to mid-20s home run power and 15 stolen bases. And that's a big dip from 25, 25, 30, 30. And he went from being a first round player, automatic top five pick to being a third to fifth round player. And he just kept slipping down year after year. And that he's, I mean, I still love Kutch as a player and a person. I was really beating his drum this year that I thought he fell too far and was really high on him, but I could see that happening. Okay. Well, we're six picks in here, and we have number seven, and it's your turn, Brent. Who do you got? Alex Bregman with the Astros. Okay. Okay. Talk about Bregman. Why do you Why are you taking him here? Yeah, he can play third base and shortstop, so you can move him around if you have injuries on your team. He's only 25 years old. I believe he's been batting second and third in that lineup with Altuve batting uh first or second so he's he has the opportunity to drive guys in and that lineup's just loaded that lineup's yes. ridiculous so i mean he's always going to have guys around him to help protect him and yeah i think he's i mean he's going to be great for the next five to eight years i think are you worried yeah, at the, all about the I'm drop the, in speed uh yeah a little bit because i feel like that like i feel like a lot of those astros they earlier in their careers they stole a lot of bags like jose altuve george springer and then they kind of fallen off a little bit as they aged, so it could happen with Bregman as well. But I mean, the home run RBI potential is always going to be there for him. Okay, Andrew, you're about to say something. No, I was just going to say I'm the nut job that traded him in a dynasty league this year. <laughs> <laughs> he traded Bregman away. Yeah. Ooh. So it was, it was a. It was a good trade for me, I think. But every time he hits a home run, I'm like, ooh, it just stings a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) When he hit those 31 last year, I thought, that feels like a ceiling. And here we are at 116 games played, and he's got 29 this year. So it looks like he may blow right past that. The 
absolutely amazing stat about him is that K to walk rate. When you go see that, do you get, he has 88 walks this year and he has only 64 strikeouts. That is absolutely incredible back control, man. Yeah. So Andrew, where'd you have Bregman on your ranks? I had him at nine. As did I. I had him at nine. And again, it's another one in that group that, I I mean, I think that's right here is an awesome pick. I have two guys ahead of him, but I still think it's a great pick, you know. Bregman's awesome. He's a machine. Yes, he is. He is a machine. The drop and steals is the reason why I have him in the bottom of that list, but he's an awesome hitter. Okay, Andrew. You are up at pick number eight. Man, I can't believe I'm getting this guy at eight. This is the guy that I wrestle with against Vlad. And it's Juan Soto. I I just think this guy is just so incredible. I mean, he's 20 years old. He's already displaying what you would expect out of a veteran that's been in the league for years. I mean, his triple slash is ridiculous, hit tool, power developing, and he's even chipping in steals this year. I think he has 11 steals. 11, yep. I mean, he's just totally ridiculous. Like, I just can't even – I'm so high on the guy. (laughs) He's awesome. So, yeah, I have him at five and got him at eight, so I'm happy with that. Brent, where'd you have Soto at? Uh, I have him at nine. But yeah, I okay. agree. He is he is incredible. He is incredible. Awesome back control. It's just stupid to see somebody that young hitting this well. And I traded him in Roto Masters 2 this year, got Robles Plus in a 2 for 2 trade that I already am looking back and like, ah, I think if I could go back, I'd take that one back and that one may haunt me down the road unless Robles absolutely blows up. But Soto is incredible. And he has just been absolute, an absolute monster over the past few months, pretty much right since I made that trade. And I have him at eight on my list. He's a throw him in a hat here, uh, but 25 home runs, 11 stolen bases. I don't think the steals will be there for long, but right now is all that matters. And if he can get chip in or over the next couple of years, you know, is what you should be mostly focused on and, he probably is going to get 10 or 15 steals over the next few seasons. And that combined with the excellent bat approach, the power, he's a, he's a package. He's a great hitter. The thing, the thing I love with guys and the reason I have Vlad and Soto so high is because I mean, these guys are 20. <laughs> and they're just such good hitters. That I feel like, you know, and, and I'll admit, in, a, in like a redraft league, I think Juan Soto's probably like a second round pick. Or, you know, something around there. But it's one of those things where he's a second round pick next year and the year after and the year after and the year. It's, this is going to be a long time with these guys. And that's where my confidence is is that it's just the length of time that you're going to get from these guys that can hit. I mean, that's the fundamental part of the game that you want your young players to be able to do because the ones that don't do it as good, they are 
it's like peaks and valleys. And these mm-hmm. guys are just going to be rock solid steady for years. I feel like even if they never give you that season where you're like, oh my God, they're, you know, an MVP or something, they're not going to hurt you taking them high. They're just, they're just so good and they're so young. They're going to be around forever. I mean, in five years, they're going to be 25. Five years is a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. he could easily have a couple MVPs by the time he's 25. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I will take move on to pick number nine. And speaking of five years from now and being 25, I'm going to take a 25-year-old. And that is shortstop for the Indians, Francisco Lindor. Uh, I have Lindor at six overall, so this is a little bit of a fall to me. A guy who I absolutely just, I love this guy. I mean, there's really no negative to him. He controls the strike zone well, hits for power, steals some bags, plays the middle infield. Just total package in terms of that. Hey, again, just like that's the speed may not be there, but for another couple of years, but I just, I love the bat and I've got, um, uh, Francisco Lindor here at number nine. So Brent, where'd you have Lindor at? Yeah, I have him actually have him at eight. Uh, I have him eight. So one spot ahead of you. Yeah. If he can stay on the field and not get injured. Yeah. He, I mean, he's probably, a probably might be the best shortstop one or two every year. He'll get taken. Mm-hmm. What I we talked a lot before the season, and I had fears about one thing when in terms of with him having that ankle injury, I could have easily seen him stealing 10, 12 bases this year as it just took him a while to get that ankle back and feeling confident enough to enough to run. And here he is with 18 steals in 103 games. It's he's been healthy and he's been contributing in all five categories. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the, the RBI is a little bit behind everything else, but even then, 52 in 103 games, that's pacing for an 80 RBI season. Andrew, where'd you have Lindor on your list? I had him at six. He was the okay. one with Soto. Yeah, like, I had, so we Soto, had Soto five and Vlad, or Soto five and Lindor six. So Anything to add on Lindor? He's, uh, Lindor is probably my favorite position player in the league or one of the top two or three i i love the guy i mean he's we were saying the one day in the chat i was like he's basically perfect i mean he does everything he's a joy to watch he's always happy and joking around and laughing and i mean is it even possible to not like him i just i don't get it if you don't but yeah he's he's incredible awesome player i one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, and like too, he doesn't have extreme home and road splits like a lot of guys have in the league. I feel like like Yelich, Yelich, Christian Yelich, Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado, like those guys have crazy home and road splits. He just plays good everywhere on the field and at the plate. He's a good hitter. Well, here we are, nine picks in, and kind of like Andrew was saying about throwing him in a hat. My top nine are gone at the moment. So, Brent, who do you got at number 10 here? At number 10, I got Javi Baez with the Cubs. Okay. Javi Baez with the Cubs at number 10. Why do you got Javi at 10? 
Well, one thing, as you guys probably noticed already, I love position eligibility because mm-hmm. when guys get injured, you can move people around. And Baez has shortstop, second base, and third base eligibility. Who knows down the road if Rizzo leaves or Rizzo get injured, he could possibly move to first, have four position eligibility. But I love guys that can move around. I hits right in the middle of a loaded lineup in Wrigley Field. One thing I don't like about him is he strikes out a ton. But everything else he makes up for, he steals bags, hits for power. So that's why I got him at number 10. You know, I think he even played the outfield once or twice a year or two ago when I had him on the dynasty team. I think I even remember sticking him out there for a bit and then they ended up putting Chris Bryant out there more and putting him at third. Did you Andrew. guys see? I got to bring this up. Did you Did you guys see the, uh, it was probably about a week ago when he hit left-handed what? Oh did yeah! You, <laughs> did you see that? Yeah, yep. they had uh, the Reds had the the Cubs were killing the Reds, and they had a position. Who was pitching? I forget. Um, a position player was pitching, and Baez turned around and, <laughs> and batted left handed. It was hysterical. You had to look it up. He swung so, at the he swung at the first pitch and just golfed it like up in the air. It was. It was funny. And then they were just all laughing. It was just a cool moment. But I can't believe that actually happened in a major yeah. league game. But I guess if you're going to have a position player hit pitch, yeah. what the heck? Why not? Yeah, it was like in the ninth ninth inning. I forget who the pit, who was pitching, but it's funny. Andrew, who, where'd you have Baez ranked? I had him at 20. Uh, well, and I... Was... I um, I think he's awesome. I mean, I love him for my Cubs. I have just kind of grown to accept that I'll probably never be the one that owns him in fantasy because I think that the drop-off will not be very pleasant. But right now, it's awesome. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any issue with him at 10. There's There's people that I respect that have him there and even higher. So... Yeah, no issue with him at 10. He's just, there's other guys I like more, I guess. Well, I'll say this. Of the two of us, you're the high man on Baez at 20. Because I have him at 22. And again, I get it. I'm, it's just, I think I am not a Baez guy. I What he's doing is incredible. And who knows, it could he could do it for another five years. I'm, I'm just going to keep being wrong every year. I just am really risk averse of people who swing that high of a percentage of the time. Kind of scares me, but you, he also has the fastest bat speed in baseball. I'm just, a vi- I, I think we've made this comp before. I've heard the comp of Carlos Gomez, and I think they're very similar. Gomez had an incredible bat speed until he got to his upper 20s, and then it went quick for him. But up, he had a couple-year run there where he was a top-10 pick in drafts. And we'll just, I mean, time will tell whether he goes that route. Maybe he'll even get some more approach as he continues maturing as a hitter and playing more. I don't know. Okay, Andrew, number 11, you are up. Who do you got? Uh, tough day for this guy, but I think he's a stud. I got... Fernando Tatis Jr. A very tough day for him. As we're recording earlier this afternoon, it was announced that Tatis is probably out for the year. It's his back, right? Is that what they're saying? Yeah, stress stress fracture in his back, I think. Yeah. 
awful day. Yeah, so um, I had him at I have him at ten, and um, I I honestly think you can make a strong case to take him higher than this. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that he's basically like what we thought of Manny Machado when he came up hmm. and he's obvious and he's 20, you know, again, I, I mean, I'm taking all the kids, but it's just like, this guy's going to be around for a long time and he's already producing like a superstar. So, uh, yeah, five category potential. I mean, there's one guy that I had seen that has, has him fifth. Wow. Um, you know, a guy that I just follow and he did dynasty ranks. He has him five. And I don't, I don't even think it's crazy at all. If, I mean, if you're going to be high on Vlad and Soto and, you know, these other guys that are this young, I mean, he's completely blown up this year and he runs too, you know, more than those guys. So, yeah, I just think it's across the board studliness for a long time and, yeah, I think it's a good spot for him here at where we at eleven. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right now or yeah, you were at number eleven. Yeah, uh, where was he on your actual ranks? He was ten. Okay. Yeah, Brent, where'd you have Tatis? I have him at seventeen. Uh, I just have him lower just because I, I I think I don't know what this injury if it's going to hurt him or not in the future. But my comp to him is Francisco Lindor. Whenever I watch Tatis play, he reminds me of Frankie. Just like when uh, the other day when he jumped from shortstop about five feet in the air and caught a ball that should have been a single to the outfield. He's always smiling. He's always running around having fun. But, yeah, he's going to be a top five shortstop for sure the next ten years. He's going to be a Hall of Famer because he signed a baseball for me a year ago. That's what he's going to be. Oh, wow. That is cool. <laughs> I, I got to Oh no! Finish your. I could just have a thought. Finish. Your That's run. all right. I've told the story multiple times. He's he. Yeah, I was very fortunate to be at a game and here in Double A Springfield, and he was he signed a ball for me last year. Pretty cool moment. No, I was just going to say that I didn't really. I did these rankings before today, and I haven't really thought about the injury as far as these rankings. I don't think I would move him down. At least not yet. But uh, it's definitely something to consider because it's kind of a it's kind of a nasty injury actually. So it's just still kind of processing all of that. And I, I mean, if you talk to me in a few months, I would maybe have him lower. I guess I don't know. I just have to think about it. And I had Tatis at number twelve, so I wasn't too far off. I am a. Li- I find the Machado comp interesting as I'm sitting here thinking about it because they are kind of similarly built, or at least Machado was at that age. They kind of looked a lot pretty similar in terms of that. And the power-speed combo seems like it lines up pretty well. The one thing is, I think Machado was a slightly better hitter at this point. Um, I just pulled up Machado. He was more striking out in the high teens all through the minor leagues and getting into the major leagues, still not striking out too much. Meanwhile, Tatis was in the upper 20s through the minors, and this year he's at 29%. That does make me a little nervous. That 317 batting average, it wouldn't surprise me unless he drops that 
okay rate. It wouldn't surprise me if that drops 40, 50 points next year. I mean, he does have a 410 BABIP, and I think you'd agree, Andrew, that he's not a 317 hitter if he keeps hitting like this, but it's you're getting a 20 year old. So I do get, I get that part too. I totally, I mean, I've got him at 12, so I'm still on board too. But that is the part that I'm not completely bought in, but I'm bought in enough with the age to that he's still a first rounder. Yeah, I think the thing that I like about him, though, is he has that gear. When you watch him, it's like he does things that guys just don't do. Like, I saw him tag up from third on a pop-up yeah. to second. And it's just that aggressive style of play that I guess, you know, you you wonder about potential injuries, I guess, with that. But... I'm thinking more along the lines of like stolen bases. Like I think this guy is going to be aggressive on the base paths in the early part of his career to where even if he's hitting like 270, I mean, I think he can go 30-30 next season. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't surprise me at all. So, I mean, yeah, I feel like the regression in the – in the batting average that I do expect, I don't, he's not a three seventeen hitter or whatever, uh, can be offset by the power and speed. Cause I just think there's a lot of power and a lot of speed. Yeah. So can't argue there. Um, okay. So that puts us at pick number 12. I guess that means I'm up again and I haven't even looked. Okay. Yes. My 10th overall pick player is who I'm taking here. And that would be one Trey Turner with the Nationals. The Speed Demon, who provides one of the things that's the hardest to find, and that's the stolen base category. Still playing middle infield, performing really well, and provides power to go with it. I've got Trey Turner at number 10. Andrew, I'll let you start this time. Andrew, where'd you have Turner on your list? I had him at 12. I had him, uh, or I have one guy ahead of him that hasn't been picked yet but yeah i mean okay he's uh just to let brent know he's the guy that i traded bregman for not straight it wasn't straight up it was a two for two but i needed steals so that's uh that's why i did it but yeah you're gonna win the championship because of that (laughs) yeah it's uh i mean trey's trey's awesome i mean unique unique skill set i mean there's the steals and everything i mean he has the potential every year to lead the league so, and it's, it's one of those things that's diminishing in our game a little bit, you know, these guys that can hit and steal bases. And he's one of the few that can do it at the level that he does it. Uh, I don't think he's a great hitter, but he's just so fast and runs so much that it's almost like you just forgive him. Mm-hmm. But uh, when that speed falls off some, I think his value could go backwards pretty hard. But I don't think that that's incoming really anytime soon, to be honest. Brent, where'd you have Trey at? I had him at 12 as well. I remember a lot of guys saying before the season started he could steal 75 bags. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen just because I don't know if he's going to stay on the field. I feel like he's uh, just because when you steal that many bases, I mean, there's a good chance you're going to hurt your wrist, hurt, get a concussion, things like that. 
But yeah, I mean, yeah. if if the Nationals can keep that group of Trey Turner, Anthony Rendon, and Juan Soto together, that's a nice one, two, three right there. Yeah. I definitely don't think the 70 steals is going to happen now. That said, the last couple of years, I thought it was very possible when he stole 46 and 98 games and 33 yeah. and 73 games. In his, and I was like, man, this guy's got a special gear. He might be able to do it. But I noticed last year I still had a share of him in a dynasty league, and he stole 43 games and 162 games played. And right now he's played 81 games this year, and he's at 25. It seems like the steals are coming down a bit. I think the peak, like, pacing for 60, 70, 80 steals, I think I'm starting to remove that from my projection of thinking, like, even before this year, Andrew and I were talking, and I think we were both still saying 60 we could easily see. I know I I, I shouldn't speak for Andrew, but I know I was at least thinking that, especially I was playing up a theory that maybe Harper being gone that was something that might have he, he was hitting in front of Harper a lot and maybe they were running him less because of Harper not you know if he steals second Harper's just getting walked and maybe they were even shying away from it for that but he's still a skill set i mean Acuña's leading the national league in steals with 29 Trey's got 25 so he's right there at the top of the league again okay we're at pick number 13, and that means you're up. Brent, well, who do you got? Uh, Nolan Arenado. He's one, of, he's one of the older guys on my list, but he plays in the friendly confines of Coors Field, and he's always going to be batting cleanup or in the three-hole with probably Charlie Blackman and Trevor Story protecting him. I think he is going to be great till he's at least 35. And then he'll probably move over to the National League in DH. I got him at 13 also, and I agree with everything you said. I mean, I think he's going to be a player that because he's not relied on his speed, because he's playing in Colorado and he's just a great hitter, that his value is going to hold later in the years than it would for some of these other guys we're talking about that we love. Andrew, where do you have Arenado at? I had him at 11. Okay, so you're uh, even higher than us. Yeah, I is there any more consistently great player besides Mike Trout than Nolan no. Arenado? When I don't think start, there is. When you started the question, I was going to say like the only word that hit my came up was Mike Trout, and once you said besides Mike Trout, yeah, no, he's yeah. definitely and. I mean, the only reason he's here is just because he's 28 and everybody else that we've talked about is younger, you know, mm-hmm. but and when you have to split hairs with these guys, but I mean, this guy is just unbelievable. His four category production. I, I've said this before too. It's like if, if you did a fantasy league without stolen bases, I mean, couldn't you argue he's the number one pick? Yeah. Yes. Batting you average. Could argue that. Batting average, home runs, runs, RBIs. I think you could argue. Yeah. It. I, it's he's just, in the discussion. It's like bankable production that you know is going to be there, and it is. We are about at that point where it's like you're going up, moving on to the back half of his career, but. I tell you, the back half of his career could still be pretty awesome because he's locked up with cores now, and we know that, you know, what that brings to the table. And yeah, he's he's incredible. 
Agreed. You know, wasn't the original, like, there are four by four dynasties. Isn't stolen bases the thing that's not in there for offense? I think it was run scored. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah. That would I'm pretty, take that away. I'm pretty sure there's. I'm pretty old, but there's some older guys that would know that. <laughs> Brent, we're but, both in our upper 30s. How old are you, man? Uh, 26. Oh, you're a baby young compared to yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, I'm young. <laughs> That's about the age, I think, of a couple of our good friends like Walter McMichael and Paul Martin, a couple of guys we play in leagues with. I think they're probably close to that age now at this point. So, yeah, you're a, yes. you're a pop. Starting to feel old, man. Back in my day, we played fantasy baseball, and I had to get on my desktop to actually set my lineup. I couldn't do it on my phone. <laughs> Way back in the day, they had to pull up the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. we're not that old. No, yeah, not, not that old. But. Okay, Andrew, you're up. Number 14. 14. I am. I actually have him 13. Trevor Story. Okay. And um, I've come around a lot on this guy. I mean, he's he's just crazy. It's it's the counting stats. Like the stuff I said with Arenado, the difference is, is he hasn't been doing it as long. But he's a couple years younger and he runs. Yeah. So it's kind of cancels out that difference i guess i mean he's he's a monster just does everything and um i always kind of questioned the hit tool a little bit with him but you can't really question it anymore i mean it's it's proven you know average home runs counting stats stolen bases he's a five category stud he's 26 so should get it for another several years you would think 2018 is when I bought in on Trevor Story. After last year, this offseason, I was I was bought in. I viewed him as a second-round player that I was willing to and ready to jump on if I could get him. I don't have any yeah. shares, redraft, or dynasty this year, but he's once again out there doing it. I have Story at number 11 on my list, so I, I'm bought in, too, with him at 13. So where is he for you, Brent? Yeah, I actually have him 11 as well. And he, I actually, he's one of my keepers in our league that we talk about on our podcast. I actually traded Charlie Blackman and Jack Flaherty to get him because he is a stud. And people, I think people don't even realize last, last year he stole 27 bags like that. Yeah. I don't think people look at Trevor Story and think of stolen bags, but that's another category yeah. that he provides you that's hard to get. Yep. One of the hardest hit- category to fill. And hitting between Blackman and Arenado is just—it's oh, just in such a—it's such a cozy spot. I mean, yeah, it's and granted that that part of it may not last forever. I mean, you know, Blackman's getting older. You never know what's going to happen if he's going to go somewhere else or anything like that. But I tell you, it's just right now. It's such a good spot. He just does everything. Produces across the board. It's awesome. Yep. It is awesome. Well, that puts me up to round out the end of the first round. And my who I'm taking at number 15, I have ranked at number 14. And that is the Braves' first baseman, Freddie Freeman, who I feel very similar to Nolan Arenado. I think he's going to age well. He's such a great hitter. He doesn't have the ballpark. 
that Arenado plays in, but he continues just raking. He's been incredibly consistent for the last few years, hitting for more pop uh, this year than, you know, after a little bit of a step back last year and, and 31 home runs, hundred, he's already approaching a hundred runs and RBIs. He's going to be playing in a lineup with Ozzy Albies and Acuna for years to come. I love him. The, the type of player he is 29 years old. I think he's still probably got a good three to five years of elite production before I think a slip will start coming. I got Freddie Freeman at number 15 here. So Andrew, where's Freeman on your list? He is 29. Ooh, big difference there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, and I agree with everything you said, honestly. I mean, he is, he's awesome. There's just younger guys that I like a little bit more, but uh, I have one share of Freddie in a redraft league that I'm in first place in, and his steadiness is very nice. I mean, he's so good. It's, it's great. I, I just, like I said, I've said it a million times. I, I just tend to lean young, mm-hmm. younger, you know, younger than he is basically. And there's still a lot of young players that I think can approach what he does in the coming years. They may not. I mean, he does a lot. You that's know, the but, risk. Uh, yeah, that's the risk. But, um, that's the reason, I guess, that I have him at, at 29. It's, it's definitely not a slide on him. I, I really do like him. Yeah. Brent, where do you got him at? Yeah, I actually have him down there as well. I have him at 31. And so he didn't even make your top 30. No, I'm, go- I'm going by the – I actually have a ranking out with our podcast, a top 100 dynasty ranking, so I'm going off by that. Oh. So I, update- yep, so I updated that, and I'm going off by that. I have him at 31 – like uh, Andrew said, he's 29 years old, and he haunted me in 2015 with that wrist injury. Uh-huh. He'd come back, he'd play five, six games, and then he'd be go on the DL. And that year, like, scarred me for fantasy purposes. So, I mean, I love I love him as a player, but in 2015, when I, I was competing, that year scarred me with that wrist injury. 18 home runs, 276 batting average, 62 runs, 66 RBI. Yeah, yeah, that was a rough year for him. So I guess I'm I'm on the island there with Freeman, but you know we're all saying the same thing, just different preferences in terms of age. I think if I had a pick at the back wheel of a dynasty startup, I do think I would probably be more likely to try to shoot for the win now strategy, seeing okay. the way the draft goes at this point. I'm not saying that I would go in and just say no matter what I'm doing it. But I think I'm taking a guy like Freeman there, and if so, I'm probably going to give more thought of taking veterans than I would. I'm Maybe I wouldn't always go that route because you can always find youth and trade it too if, if, to get just some stuff to compete. But I think I would, I, I've got a lot of old guys in that age range right around this point, I think. And I've taken a lot of guys in the mid-20s as compared to the 20-year-olds so far. Well, that wraps up the first round, and we've gone over an hour here, so I think we're going to cut this off and come back and do another episode here. And we'll put we're going to put it up here in a few days. 
and we'll cover the second round of the startup dynasty. But that was a lot of fun, fellas. Yep. Yeah. Yes, it was. Good yeah. time. Yeah, really enjoyed that. It's good to hear different perspectives. As I was saying, you know, Brent, you had a couple there that were way off from Andrew and I, and then I right there at the end with Freeman was quite a bit different. It's just good to hear different views here because I don't think anybody has a wrong view with any of these guys you've taken. It's just different views, and there's different strategies to do in Dynasty Startups. You can go a lot of different directions. But that was a lot of fun, fellas, and looking forward to getting back here and doing this again in a few days. You got any final words before we get out of here, Andrew? No, that's it. We'll drop this next 15 here soon. Okay. And thank you again for coming on Brent and for everybody listening, make sure you check out his podcast, the exit velocity podcast. I said that right. Correct. Yes, he did. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you for having me on the show. Definitely. And we'll have you on again here as we do the second round here in a few days. And until then, take care, everybody. Take care. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.